Welcome to the Bermagui Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. Here you'll find the recording of messages from our weekly gatherings. We pray you'll be challenged and encouraged by today's message. To sort of lead off into my message today, I want you to get, get, some, get some pictures in your mind just to sort of set the, set the, the tone. So the question I want to ask is, you know, and you know, you're welcome to share a thought if you, if, if you remember one, is, you know, what are some of those really dodgy offers or, you know, false advertising things that you've seen, you know, in the world that we're in? Because the fact is, we're every, everywhere, aren't they? You know, I love seeing some of those videos where they go, well, here's the advertised picture of the burger, and here's the real burger. <laughs> Yeah, Maccas are notorious for that, aren't they? Yeah, you got the, the big Mac. <laughs> Even in my you know, limited years, I've seen the big Mac shrink. <laughs> I, I remember it being a, a sizable burger at least, but now it's, yeah, I don't know. I don't think it's just because I got bigger. <laughs> but you know, you know, some of the, you know, the, the, the face creams or the wrinkle cream ads, and they advertise it with a person who doesn't have any. <laughs> um, you know, I was, I was hoping to get a, a bit of a, a photo on the slides here. I didn't get that far. I got as far as a, a title page. But um, some of the, the promises on the kids' cereal boxes. Yeah, and I, I found one on the internet last night. It was, it, was, it was an American brand. It was like the Frosties or the Wheaties or something like that. And it was like, boost your child's immunity. I'm just like, it's a brekkie cereal. <laughs> like, <laughs> I don't know. That was, that was on the box. <laughs> but the fact is, you know, we're a society, aren't we, that's been bombarded and overloaded by advertising and marketing tactics that, went, you know, the fact is now, you know, me saying that, everyone just goes, yeah, we, we know. That's, that's the world we live in. This, this, this era of, of advertising that's just falsified, really. Played up. But it's made us sceptical, hasn't it? You know, I know in my time, you know, working in, in, in youth work and in schools and things like that, you know, even our young generation, they don't just take your word for things anymore. They're raised to be sceptical. They're, they're raised to question things because they're, they're so bombarded by all this promise that's hollow. They just go, oh, but no, are, are, are you legit? Are you real? Are you being authentic? You know, we, we simply don't just trust someone because they said it on TV anymore. You know, back in the day, you know, like there was, I guess there was an air of credibility, wasn't there? around news presenting and around, you know, if someone's going to say something publicly, then we should be able to take a bit of credibility from it because they're, they're going to that, that effort to do so. But nowadays, you know, the fact is we've got a whole genre now of fake news, don't we? You know, it's scary to think that that's just a thing now. Oh, oh that's just fake news. And, you know, there's people out there that, that generate that now purely out of entertainment. They post stories on, on the internet purely just to go, well, yeah, it's just a fun story, but we'll call it news. Yeah. We live in an era where it's, it's tough. It's tough to actually discern what is actually credible and what isn't. 
And the fact is, I think that's getting harder and harder as we live in a world that just seems to be twisting things and twisting truth and, and just going, where, where is the bottom line on all this? What is right? So for those that have been joining us, I've started to take us through the book of James. You know, just bit by bit, you know, we'll probably be in it for a good while. And the book of James is just one of these great little books and I encourage you, you know, if, you, if you're doing some bobbery at home, it's only five chapters long. It's one of those ones you can just read. And if you read it in totality, you are getting the whole scope of the, the letter. But it's one of these ones you can really just pull apart. There's just some beautiful, you know, aside of the thing that the James was a fan of one-liners. Because he just writes things in such a way, you can just grab this one little portion and it just gives you that, that boost of wisdom for that in that moment. And so we're still only in the first chapter of James. So if you do have your Bibles, I encourage you, flick open. We're going to, to James chapter 1. So James is right towards the end of your Bibles after Hebrews. And the section we're looking at is James chapter 1, 18 to 27. We'll read that in a moment. But he's turning our attention to this concept and this idea of, you know, what is true religion? What is genuine? What is real? And the fact is our world is longing to see true religion. Yeah, you know, I don't know about you, but there's there's been moments in my life where I've I've looked at the way our society's going, our world's going. I'm just going, you know, they're, they're so secularized now that they're they're just not interested in spirituality. They're just not interested in 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 religion and and, and things of faith. But the it's, actually, it's the opposite is true. They're actually desperately desiring answers. They're living in a world that's so unsettled and so uncertain that they're going, well, there has to be more to this, and they are actually seeking out spirituality. They, they, the, the, the Western society isn't just completely secularized. They are actually trying to figure out what's more in this world, what's more in this life that we live. And so they're desperately seeking things out. But because they're so skeptical, because we've been trained to really question things, they're just going, oh, no. I want to see what's really true. I want to see what's really genuine. What's, what's, what's the real deal here? What's really going on? They're looking for, thing, for something that is genuine, authentic and real. But the problem is, is that in and amongst that, the Western church is actually in a bit of a credibility crisis. It is, sadly. Because the fact is, you know, you can jump online now and you can find any manner of Christianity. You could find a church to align to that would believe anything you want. You really could. There's so many groups out there just sort of saying, yeah, we profess Jesus, but we let you just do what you please. And the problem is, is that people see that and just go, what's the point? They're not really holding to anything that's really true. They're not holding to anything that's real and genuine. You know, there's so much counterfeit Christianity on the market today. And the fact is, even within the known church and the, 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 the westernized church, that we're losing credibility because of you know, character faults and failures and things like that. Like, the fact is, you know, <laughs> met a new guy in town today with the kids getting, his, getting their hair cut, the hairdresser, and we ended up having this great big talk about the fact that he felt that the, 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 the Christian image has been completely tainted because of what was happening with Hillsong and Brian Houston and everything going on there and the fact that there's so much in the, the top headlines at the moment. 
And, you know, it breaks my heart to, to, to see a church that, you know, yeah, to take the good with the bad a little bit with Hillsong. But they have benefited the, the Western church with its music and its resources and things like that. But to, to take the hit that they have, that people are just really questioning, going, oh, you know, you can't associate or align to that at all now. But the problem is, is that it, you know, I'm not saying I'm, I'm out to protect the, the image of Hillsong, but it damages the credibility of the genuine church, doesn't it? And it's that bit that breaks me. It's that bit that just goes, oh, that's not who we are. That's not what the church is. And I see people that have been hurt by those things and I you know, see testimonies and you know, doc- documentaries and things about it. And I just go, my heart breaks for these people because they're, they're, they're questioning God. They're questioning their, their, their faith because of what man has done. Not because of what a God has done, but because people around them have, have failed them. So it is imperative, it is essential that the true church, the true body of Christ, raises up to make a difference on the world around us. And so the fact is the words of James, even though they were written so long ago, they just really hit the nail on the head. So let's read. We're going to read James 1, verses 18 to 27. So again, I'm reading from New Living Translation. NIV is similar, if you've got that, but... Uh, Some of my quotes are from NIV as well, so hopefully it lines up for you. So verse 18 onwards. He says, He chose to give birth to us by giving us His true word. And we, out of all creation, became His prized possession. Understand this, my dear brothers and sisters, you must all be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. Human anger does not produce the righteousness God desires. So get rid of all the filth and evil in your lives and humbly accept the word God has planted in your hearts for it has the power to save your souls. But don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you're only fooling yourselves. For if you listen to the word and don't obey, it is like glancing at your face in the mirror. You see yourself walk away and forget what you look like. But if you look carefully into the perfect law that sets you free, And if you do what it says and don't forget what you heard, then God will bless you for doing it. If you claim to be religious, but don't control your tongue, you are fooling yourself and your religion is worthless. Pure and genuine religion in the sight of God the Father means caring for orphans and the widows in their distress and refusing to let the world corrupt us or corrupt you. You know, some people are pretty quick when they look at the book of James and they feel that there's almost a conflict between what Paul teaches and what James is saying. Because very quick, you know, right there, you know, he introduces this idea of, you know, you know we can't just be hearers of the word, we must be doers. And later on in James, if you're familiar with it, the writings of James, he, he speaks a lot about, you know, faith and works and that faith is dead without works. And so people say, oh, how does that work with, with the, the, the doctrine and the theology of grace? But the fact is, James doesn't actually teach that. He just builds on what faith truly is. And the fact is, you know, our faith starts with Jesus. Has to be seated in Jesus alone. So you look at verse 18 there. 
Yeah, he chose to give us birth through the word of truth that we might be a kind of first fruits or the prized possession of all he's created. Now, in that one verse, he actually sort of defines what salvation is. You know, it speaks of the origin that is through the word of truth, through Christ. Now, there's one of the names that the scripture gives to Jesus Christ that is the word of truth. So it's through Jesus. That's our origin of salvation. What, it speaks to what our operation of salvation is. What's, our, what's, the, what's, what's the process of it? You know, to give us birth. You know, he chose to give us birth through the word of truth. You know, being born again, being born into eternal life. You know, that's the whole reason Jesus gave his life so that we could find life. And the outcome of salvation, that we become his prized possession, his first fruits of all creation. So James straight away is sort of saying, no, this is what salvation is. This is what it's about. And it starts with Jesus Christ. But what he leans into is what we've been talking about since, since about the start of the year in this church. I gave a series at the start of the year of, you know, what does it mean to be like Jesus I put an image up there of the, you know, the like button on Facebook because so many people treat Jesus like that, where they just want to like, you know, yep, I acknowledge Jesus, but I'm just going to get on with my life and not let it change me. That's not what it's about. That's definitely not what James is teaching here. He's just saying, no, we can't just like Jesus and just get on with life. No, we've got to hear what he's got to say and do it. And the fact is, you know, in the world that we're in with so much just mistruth and so much rubbish going on around us, we've got to make sure that whatever we're listening to, whatever we're exposing us to, ourselves to, let's make sure that they're in line with what Scripture says. Make sure that they're actually teaching who Jesus truly is. Because the fact is, any false teaching, any wrong teaching, the seed of it will be in a, a twisting of who Jesus is. And the fact is, Paul addresses this in a number of his letters, but even, you know, Peter and John, in their letters, actually address, you know, make sure we stay true to the gospel, stay true to who Jesus truly is. You know, John says this in his, one of his letters. This is 1 John 4, verses 2 and 3. He says, This is how we know if we have the Spirit of God. If a person claiming to be a prophet acknowledges that Jesus came in a real body, that person has the Spirit of God. But if someone claims to be a prophet and does not acknowledge the truth about Jesus, that person is not from God. Such a person has the spirit of the Antichrist, which you heard is coming into the world and indeed is already here. So what he's getting at there is sort of saying, no, you know, because there were people starting to sort of say, oh, maybe Jesus actually wasn't here. He wasn't actually physically here. It was this, this, this apparition that they saw. But he's going, no, 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 no. That's not the true gospel. That's not the truth about who Jesus is. That he came, he was here, he walked, he, he, he slept, he ate, he, he was here in a physical body. So the moment someone says, oh, well, maybe that's questionable. See you later. <laughs> Sorry, mate, you've, you've, you've lost track of who Jesus truly is. And the reverses are saying that people sort of say, well, Jesus was only man. That he was just a good prophet, he was a good teacher. No, sorry, you've, you've, you've missed the point had to be the Son of God. Because only the Son of God could give us the salvation that we required. So true religion, you know, this idea of, you know, what is true faith? 
starts there. Starts and ultimately finishes with Jesus Christ. The moment we start to divvy from that, the moment things get com- com- complicated or, 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 or d- distracted away from that, that's when we're ste- ste- stepping into dangerous ground. True faith, genuine faith, starts and finishes with Jesus Christ. Next point I wanted to make is that true religion you know, is about consistency. There is a level of consistency that needs to manifest in our lives where our talk and our walk line up. You know, for us to present a true picture of what Jesus is, it's not just grabbing the Bible and saying, well, this is what the Bible says. It's us living it out. It's us demonstrating what that does, how that affects us, how that changes us. Because the fact is, you know, as I started with, you know, this world is going to see through any facade we try to put on. If we come into the world with, you know, that holier-than-thou sort of, you know, I'm better than you because I'm in the church. Yeah. People are just going to go, that's not real. That's not genuine. It's not Jesus. It's not Jesus. <laughs> you know, scripture tells us we, we need to walk humbly. And as that verse 19 starts to say, you know, like he uses this, 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 this conflict between anger. He says, no, let's make sure that we're, you know, we're slow to speak. Slow to speak, quick to listen, slow to get angry. You know, when we are authentic in our faith, we acknowledge failures, we acknowledge weaknesses. And through that, we actually earn credibility because we're being real. We're saying, well, yeah, I'm a follower of Jesus. I haven't got it all together. And I'll be the first to put my hand up for that. I haven't got it all together. I blow it sometimes. Ask my kids. <laughs> they probably see the worst in me. But as I journey, as I walk with Christ, yeah, I try to do my best. I try to continue to let Jesus present himself more in me. Now, verses 19 to 21 there. Now, this contrast of, of anger and producing righteousness. You know, human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. You know, he doesn't say that we, we, we can't get angry. You know, hi- highlighting quite a strong emotion there, isn't he? You know, anger is a powerful thing. And it's something that will happen. But it's what we do with it. It's how we demonstrate that. You know, Jesus got frustrated, didn't he? He walked into the temple and just went, come on, guys, this is not what it's about. And he, he got physical. He got in there, turned some tables over and said, no, come on, get out. This is not what this is about. But he wasn't there just to blow his own steam. He wasn't there just because he was frustrated. He was upset that, you know, a place that was supposed to be for people to come and be in the presence of God was filled up with, with market stalls. I think slow is- yeah. And so every time I've repented about my anger, when I've blurted it out, when I'm angry at my anger, it's when you blurt it out. Yeah. But if you meditate on your anger, you've got time to not blurt. Yeah. <laughs> yep. 
Yep, no, top point, top point. Now verses 22 to 25 there. Quite, a, quite an interesting little section because it uses this image there of, of someone looking into the mirror. So it starts with this thing, yeah, make, make, make sure we're not just hearers, make sure we're doers of the word. Make sure we're actually starting to walk out and act out this, this faith life that, that we've been given. And like the story I told, like read to the kids at the start of the service there, you know, Jesus himself sort of said it. And again, we see parallels between what James is saying and what Jesus said. You know, he, he was present. He, he heard what Jesus was saying. But he uses this image of looking to a mirror. And the, the Greek wording in there is quite interesting because it's not just a glance. It wasn't just saying, look in the mirror, oh yeah, and then goes on. No, the word used there is to in, intensely analyze and, and, like, and focus on and, and just truly have a, 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 you know, a long look. Now, the, the New Living in here described it as, you know, like glancing at your face in the mirror you see yourself but then walk away so the wording there of see yourself was you know it was like no it was an analyze analyzing yourself and the fact is there are people in the church where they're not they might know the scriptures inside out they might have heard every sermon there is possible on the word of god but if they're not actually living it out What are they? What are they? They're like an image there, but gone. So James is just saying, saying no, there's, there's two parts of this story. There's two parts of this journey. If, we, if all we do is hear it, if all we do is just you know, look deeply into the Word of God, but don't actually allow it to change us, if we don't allow it to, to shape who we are, And it's, it's like we've forgotten everything that we might know. In the last few verses there, look at verses 26 and 27. And he starts off, you know, NIV, you know, if anyone considers himself religious, or if you claim to be religious, you know, talking about, you know, like, come on. If this is what you're going to profess, if you're going to be a person that says, no, I am a Christian. You know, in our Western world, that's the term we use. You know, I am a Christian. We've got to make sure we actually be a Christian. Actually live, walk and talk of what it means to be a Christ follower. That's what Christian means, to be Christ-like. You know, because the fact is, there's many people in our world today that will claim that they're religious. Oh, yeah, and yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I believe there's a God. Oh, yeah, Jesus was a good fellow. He did some good teaching. But that's not actually what it means to be a true believer, to be a true follower of Jesus Christ. We've got to show that consistency. It's got to start with Christ. But we've also got to show character. So James sort of highlights, I guess, three 
evidences, I guess you'd say, of the Christian character in, in these last two verses. You know, the first one is conversation, in our words. You know, verse 26, if you claim to be religious but don't control your tongue, then you're fooling yourself. And again, this is, you know, it's almost a headline because James actually later on starts to teach on the power of the tongue. The fact that there's life and death in the tongue and we've got to watch what we say. But he's sort of saying, if you claim this, then take control of your language. The fact is, you know, in our sanctification, you know, big fancy word, but it's, you know, becoming Christ-like, stepping in the journey of righteousness, becoming more like the, the person we're following. That journey is not all on God's behalf. It's not just God changing us. That's part of it. It's a partnership. We've got to make choices too. We've got to say, no, yep, I need to pull up. And so the first one he addresses here is our words. Let's make sure our language fits. Again, we're not going to get it right all the time. But I'll tell you what, we can make effort, can't we? We can go, no, let's speak right about this. And I'm not just talking about swearing. Let's move beyond just you know, using the right word or not. Let's talk about the, the tone and the attitude, the way we speak about things. Are we speaking life into things or are we speaking death into things? Let's be people that speak life. You know, Jesus, every word he spoke just brought hope, brought love, brought compassion into the world. Let's be like that. And in verse 27, not only is there evidence of, you know, in our language, but evidence in our concern. You know, pure and genuine religion in the sight of God the Father means caring for orphans and widows. You know, we need to let we need to let the Word of God shape our compassion. And the fact is, you might go, "Oh, but I don't know any widows or orphans." I think all of us could probably put someone up that we know might be a bit lonely. Someone that's just you know just feeling a bit isolated, you know? It's the key word at the moment, isn't it? I'm sure every one of us could find someone. Maybe it is someone that's gone through a divorce. Maybe it is someone that's, you know, just missing family because their family's living elsewhere. Maybe there's an opportunity for us to step in and bring some comfort to the lonely. To, in a sense, the orphan, in that sense. And to the poor, you know? We are blessed to live in a wealthy nation. Yeah? Maybe rethink your, the way you do life. What's another way that you could utilise your resources for the benefit of others? The last one is in our conduct. You know, caring for widows and orphans in their distress and refusing to let the world corrupt you. Yeah. I love the fact that he acknowledges that we're in the world. He doesn't say, oh, run away from the world and just hide. Yeah. We are in the world. We're not going to get away from it. But let's not let it corrupt us. Let's not let the world shape us. Let's let the word of God shape us. You know, one of the, you know, as I said at the start of the series, you know, I'm, I'm using a guide from a person that put together a, a, a teaching guide for James. 
And this was one of the sections that he wrote out. I just want to read it. He says, one of the great issues facing the church as we, as we live now in this third millennium is the credibility crisis. Are we credible? The world is watching and waiting to see if we are truly for real. You know, I think that's so true. There are so many people that are just on the fringe. You might have friends and family that you may not realise, but they're watching you. They're watching you. They're, they're, they're trying to see, are you genuine? A couple of weeks ago, I played a video from good friends of ours who are, who are missionary workers over in Turkey. And he shared a testimony of this, this, this fellow that had been coming along to their language classes because that's one of the ways that they're connecting with the community around them. And this fellow had started to talk faith. And the way Josh explained it in his video was that, you know, this guy was almost frustrating Josh to the point that he just kept on trying to distract him or, or change the subject or, you know, just throw in just weird sort of philosophical sort of things to sort of de- derail the conversation. And Josh is getting so frustrated. He's going, what's going on here? But he just had this urging of spirit to go, no, just keep bringing it back to Jesus. Keep bringing it back to Jesus. Keep bringing it back to Jesus. And then right at the end of the thing, the guy just turns and says, all right, Josh, I'm ready to be baptized. And Josh is like, what? What do you mean? He says, Josh, I didn't come here just to talk with you tonight. I didn't just come here to learn some English tonight. I came here to see if you were real. How many of our friends and family are doing exactly the same thing? How many of our friends and family might be niggling us, maybe sort of poking us a little bit about our faith? Maybe they're not just doing that just for their own enjoyment. Maybe they're actually testing, are you real? So like the passage we read to the kids, let's make sure we're that builder that builds this house on the rock, the true rock, Jesus Christ. And not just in word. That rock has to be actioned. There's things we have to do to walk out this faith. It's not just philosophical. It's not just a, a choice we make and go, oh yeah, well, I've, I've done that. No, it's the way we live. It's the way we do life. Let's make sure we do that. How about I pray? Lord God, I thank you for today. I thank you for all that you're doing, Lord God, not only in the life of this church, but in the lives of of just the church around our nation and around our world. Lord God, we do just lift up those, Lord God, that have been hurt and just feel that they can't connect with church, Lord God, because of the actions of people. I pray, Lord God, that you reveal yourself wholly and honestly, Lord God, as Jesus Jesus alone, but they just need to turn to you and realise that people get it wrong. People stuff up. The church even stuffs up at times. But you, Jesus, you are the true source of all that we need. Lord God, help us. Guide us and lead us, Lord God, in what it means to walk and talk this journey of faith. Help us to show mercy. Help us to show compassion. Help us to show your love, Lord God in the most genuine, authentic way that we possibly can. Thank you for your word. In Jesus' name, amen.